Coming up on the Dilaprom Oranda podcast, the 2015-2016 NBA season. Yes, episode 10, my first basketball episode. Dr. Rajan Rehan is my guest. It's a lot of fun doing this episode. I love talking a bit of ball. Love watching it and love talking about it. We cover a lot about this season. Obviously hard to fit it within an hour. So we really kept to the high points, our memories, our reflections on that season. You could probably spend 10 hours talking about that season. You still miss things. We hit the high points. We hit some of the low points and we had usual segments and categories. We had some embrace debate points uh, near the end of the episode. So stick around for that. It's some interesting discussion about some of our favorite basketball topics. A lot of exciting content coming up. I'm going to be looking at tennis. I'm going to be looking at rugby. I know the Rugby World Cup's on. So stick around and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the Dilabram All-Rounder podcast. It's the 28th of September. We're recording at 7.15pm. My guest today is Dr. Rajan Rayan. I think it's the first time I'm calling someone my guest a doctor. Rajan, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, Rajan, first time on the show, so we've got to ask you a couple of preliminary questions. The first one is... You get one sport to choose. If you were a superstar athlete, which one would it have been? That's a tough one. It's between being an NBA player or a Indian cricket player. I see. I've seen you bowl um, and you were pretty good. So I don't but, think you want to see me bowl again. <laughs> <laughs> but what are you choosing between the two? I think I'm going to have to go with the NBA player. Yeah. More salary, better exposure on the global market, I reckon. Absolutely. No context. Who's the GOAT? Um, I love and I hate when you ask me this question. <laughs> um, it's it's a very tough question. You know, you, you, first you think about sports, then you think about is it just on the court, is it just off the court? On the court, Ooh. the first person that comes to mind, you know, we're talking about basketball, it's Michael Jordan. But off the court, you know, the trials and tribulations Muhammad Ali had to go through, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you have to put them in the conversation. So a tough one, but um, I'd say MJ. But I'm always seeing you wearing a LeBron jersey. <laughs> As a whole career, it's LeBron. And if it's if you're talking about six years, uh, minus the baseball hiatus, it's Michael Jordan. I love it. Okay, um, and you know how I always say that's your opinion, and I value it, and you're entitled to it. Absolutely, and it's probably correct. <laughs> okay, so you know what you know what I asked you to um, think about today because the topic for today's show is the. 2015-2016 NBA season, one of the greatest NBA seasons of all time. But before we get into that, I know that you're a fantastic basketball player, Raj, and I've seen it myself, but I want to understand a bit more about your love for basketball. So do you want to take me through just a little bit about when you started playing, how you got into the sport? I mean, it's not common for 
a lot of Indian Australians to play basketball. So I want to understand that a bit more. Yeah. So it definitely wasn't a fairy tale story. I wasn't handed a basketball hoop when I uh, turned three years old. I was handed a cricket ball and a cricket bat, yep. uh, just like every Indian boy. And that's, that's where I started. Um, I had a growth spurt, I think, in year seven where um, I went from a skinny Indian boy to a tall, skinny Indian boy. <laughs> um, so I started throwing a basketball and I was horrible. I'd, I'd throw it against the backboard, catch it, throw it against the backboard, catch it, and finally put it in. Um, then I got a bit better and started watching the NBA. I think what ticked me over was um, particularly one player, Vince Carter, um, how electrifying um, his game was, how competitive he was, was watching that 2000 dunk contest over and over again um that made me fall in love with the sport and then of course playing competitively from there so 2000 you we would have been you would have been nine right yeah no no but definitely started when i was in year seven but just started watching old videos and things like that love it and then so you started playing more in high school absolutely dominated sometimes i love it (laughs) can you dunk uh i could um, I've seen, I think I've seen you dunk. Yeah, yeah. but uh, now I've had a kid, so no, definitely not anymore. <laughs> yes, you're a new dad. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I mean, I didn't have any basketball history when I was younger. I didn't play basketball at school. It was actually a summer sport for us at mm-hmm. schools. I played cricket the whole time. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if you did, but did you, did you manage to ever watch any of the NBL? The NBL, no, I've, I've actually never been to a live game. So I, I haven't been to a live game, but I used to watch it when it was on ABC. And that was my first sort of foray into watching basketball. It was Australian's basketball. I wouldn't say it's the greatest level of quality, but it was the first thing I saw. I saw players like Andrew Gaze and this guy called Leonard Copeland. They played on the North Melbourne Tigers. And then I distinctly remember, and I don't know if this is real or fake, but I remember being nine or 10. And when Jordan won in Utah, that was 98, 99. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I saw it live, but I just remember seeing a scene of game six when I was younger and Michael Jordan play. And I always remember that the quality of basketball was so much better. And that was my first sort of memory of seeing the NBA. And then it was probably a hiatus of, I would say, 10 years until 2008, 2009, when I started actually watching it Mm -hmm. properly again in uni. And clearly it's the it's the best basketball product in the world. I know there was that debate recently about whether the NBA champions are world champions and a lot of people say they aren't, but clearly from a viewing perspective, it's the number one sport. Absolutely. From a viewing perspective, they do a great job of promoting the sport. Um, it's all about highlights. The EuroLeague, as you know, it's come up um, year after year after year. The quality of play is excellent now, but when you view um, the NBA versus the EuroLeague, um, you know, they've done a great job globalizing the sport and, you know, we're all just sort of addicted to the off-season and the on-season. 100%. And I want to cover that with you because the NBA is one of those sports where the off-season is just as exciting sometimes, if not more. But before we get into that, what's the first thing that enters your mind when I say 3-1? Well, I think of the greatest moment <laughs> in NBA history. I think of Game 7, um, Cleveland versus Golden State. Is I that think the one we're doing today? Uh, I think so. I hope so. I think of the shot. By Kyrie, I think of the stop by K-Love. I think of the block by LeBron James. Yeah, you're taking all my top five moments. But um, Mm. I think of that, but I also think of OKC, Golden State. Absolutely. You know, that that was an absolute choke job. Um, And I had a lot of money on that. (laughs) Yep. So I'll I'll never forget that. I mean, that that series is probably the first time I saw a 3-1 series being overturned. And I didn't expect it. You had on one side KD and Westbrook. And we might get into it as we're going through the season, but KD, Westbrook, and then Curry and Thompson and Green, 
3-1 should have been enough, but it wasn't. Absolutely. And that's, that was Katie's sort of return season after he got injured the season before that. Yes. Um, and, you know, it just wasn't them. They had Sergi Parker, they had Stephen Adams. They had an excellent team. They were obviously up 3-1. Um, but then you had, um, you know, great game five. You had game six, Clay. Games. That was it. And that leads me to a, it's not an embrace debate question, but it's a question. If your life was on the line, are you taking game six clay or are you taking Lebronto James, i.e. LeBron anytime you faced the Toronto Raptors? I think LeBronto James. It's a good question, though. It's a very good question. I had to pause for that one. It's LeBronto James. If you remember that season, I think it was 2018, where yeah. his whole team was... You did, we don't remember anyone else no. on that team. The things he was doing was absolutely ridiculous. And in that season, I think Toronto had finished number one on the in, in the league and were viewing Cleveland as the first time they'd beat him in a series, mm. and they lost 4-0. DeRozan still can't get over that. <laughs> He still hasn't recovered, as you say. Um, I invented that LeBron... No, I didn't invent it. I think it's a YouTube title on LeBron to James, but I love it. Okay. Let's sort of shift into 2015. Um, what's happening in the world? I, I always like doing that because it's interesting. Whenever we, whenever I talk about a different sporting period, it's always in a... It, something was happening in the world at the time. So I'm going to go through a couple of stats or a couple of things that were happening um, you might remember or you might not remember some of these things. So the first thing in 2015, United States Supreme Court, it had affirmed same-sex marriage. That was one thing. I do remember that one. NASA had confirmed the presence of water on Mars. So we're talking 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. I felt like that was a long time ago, but um, that happened. And then from a medical perspective, I don't know if you remember this, but this... This doctor called, or oh, this person called Tu Yu Yu, won a Nobel Prize for her discovery of malaria treatments. Did you know that? Wow, no, that's something. Well, they didn't teach that. Nobel Prize, no, I, I'm not going to win that. So I'm glad <laughs> someone did. You never know. Don't don't <laughs> shut it up. Um, okay, so then, so that's sort of a background into what's happening in the world. I'm sure there were millions of other things happening in 2015. We were both at, still at uni, yep, that's enjoying right. life, going to Vegas, doing everything we wanted. We'll keep it at that. Yeah. <laughs> But then we, we sort of transition into the NBA landscape. And the 2015 NBA landscape, you're clearly watching a lot of basketball at that time. I was. There was a lot happening. At least as we approached the NBA season, we had a few retirements. We had Sean Marion, who was famously on the Mavs when they won in 2011. He had retired. Uh, Kenyon, uh, Kenyon Martin, Stephen Jackson, some of those heralded players from the early 2000 period but had also um, indicated that they were going to retire. You had a lot of coaching changes. So Tom Thibodeau, uh, Scotty Brooks were both fired in that um, early on in the season. And Luke Walton, famously for having one of the most successful head coaching records at Golden State, <laughs> um, took over Steve Kerr while he was recovering from a back injury. And that season, Rajan, I know... You'll remember it dearly for the season being the last season that Kobe Bryant played. Absolutely, that that's um, a touching topic. But mm. um, his la it was his farewell tour, his last game, one of the greatest sort of moments I'd say in NBA history, which we can I guess touch on later. Um, but also um, there were a few other retirees, Tim Duncan, I think KG, yes. both retired that season. Um, and we were just, well, not we, but the Cavs, we, uh, we're coming well, you do off have a, a few, loss. You have a few Cavs jerseys. That's, that's right. Um, so <laughs> they were coming off a, um, your heartbreaking loss in the finals as well. So that was a storyline coming into the new season. Yeah. And it sort of delves into the first uh, segment, which I want to do is hot seat, as in who was coming into the season under the most pressure. So let's start off the first one. You mentioned it, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, 
They came. I, I think, Rajan, any time LeBron plays, um, enters a season, there's pressure on him to win. And this was no different. Absolutely. It's championship or bust um, for him. And, you know, he left the big three in Miami. He came to Cleveland, his homecoming, promising a championship. First, she couldn't deliver. Obviously, there were some injuries, but that's part of the story. Um, another one I would say actually is, I think Kevin Durant had some pressure that, that mm. season as well. You know, um, they had been to the finals against Miami. They hadn't been back since. Um, him and Russell Westbrook had had a couple of years together. They'd built a good team. True. Um, and we all know what happened the season after. So there was some pressure there as well. That's a good one. I didn't have OKC, but now, now you say it, they... It was pressure was on them to win something mm-hmm. um, sooner rather than later. So we have Cleveland, we have OKC. I also had the Philadelphia 76ers, but from a different perspective, they were in this period in 20. We now know that you know with Joel Embiid playing well, they're they're a very strong per- perennial contender. But back then, they had no identity. They were just drafting for drafting's sake. They were finishing last, drafting big man after big man. And I think people in Philadelphia and the NBA media was probably saying. When is this going to change? And this this year was no different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they just kept going with the process, which um, you know, what is it? Seven years later, has still not um, no accounted for anything. It hasn't accounted for an Eastern Conference final yet. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's very disappointing. Maybe this. No, actually, not even this year. I think, but we'll <laughs> see. So we've got Hot. We've got Philadelphia. We've got Cleveland. We've got um, OKC. I also had the Clippers. Now, Clippers in 2015, 2016, they were a title contender. Um, with Doc Rivers, and now it was now or never for them. They had that famous offseason, which DeAndre Jordan was famously locked into in, inside by Blake Griffin and Chris Paul and told not to leave and not to go to the uh, Dallas Mavericks. I mean, if you thought about that now, you would think, why the hell would you want to keep DeAndre Jordan? But back then, he was a good player. Absolutely. You know, the Clippers, that Clippers team is quite disappointing. You know, I watched a few podcasts with Matty Barnes, um, you know, having a chat about them. They had a lot of talent. Blake Griffin was excellent then. You know, Chris Paul was excellent. DeAndre Jordan, Matt Barnes, Jamal Crawford. That mm. was an excellent team. JJ Redick. But there was a lot of sort of internal issues. That's what it seems like. Um, and they, they just couldn't pull it off. From what I heard, and from what I heard is based on just listening to podcasts, <laughs> Bill Simmons, is they uh, apparently um, Griffin and Chris Paul, CP3, hated each other. Yeah, that's right. You are, Which is very weird. But yeah. that, that was the first, actually, NBA, NBA game I saw was the LA Clippers. Oh, you went there? Absolutely. Saw Lob City when they're at oh. their peak, and it was um, phenomenal to watch. Yeah, that would have been. That would have been, they would have been must-see TV. So we had four. I had one more in hot seat. Actually, two more. The fir- uh, first one was Golden State. So they won the they'd won the title. They'd won the title the previous year. So they're coming into this season full of steam. I would say, you know how nowadays when we comment on NBA championships, the the easy thing to do is we always say asterisks, asterisks, bubble championship. A lot of people would say that that NBA title that they won had an asterisk on it. I'm not saying it's right, but the. Last year, Kyrie Irving went out injured and Kevin Love wasn't there. It was basically LeBron versus Golden State. Absolutely. Unfortunately, I don't hear that enough. And <laughs> I completely agree with you. There should be three asterisks there. Skip Bayless won't say that. That's right. You'll never say that. So, no, I think it's just part of the NBA season. Injuries come and go. But absolutely, Kyrie was um, injured game one of um, the finals. Kevin Love was injured by Kelly Olynyk. 
um, mm. you know, early in the playoffs. So we had LeBron James um, and MVP Matthew Delvedova versus Delhi. Golden State Warriors. Um, Australian hero Delvedova. Absolutely. Um, well, he played, he, he did quite well, but he did. We, we all know how, how that was going to end. Apparently he fainted after one of the games. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, he, he really showed that Aussie mongle, that Aussie spirit. So they, and the other one I had uh, just purely because it's for lols was the Toronto Raptors. Now, Toronto in 2015, 2016, this is prior to Kawhi Leonard coming in and winning a championship, but they had this team that was a perennial contender. You had a, a really solid duo of Lowry and DeRozan and ported by a strong bench. And they, was, they were young at the time, but nothing was going right for Toronto and this year was no different. That's exactly right. It was very disappointing. You know, you, you feel for, you re- I still feel, feel for DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish he won a ring with Kyle Lowry, but um, wasn't it, to just, be. it just didn't happen. Yeah, so that was hot seat in terms of who was coming in under the most pressure, and it sort of really set up the season. I want to get into top five with you, Rajan, but before we do that, we might it probably serves to just give an overview of that season. Um, the season was, uh, you know, it was a it was dominated by a few teams. You had the historic Warriors run, um, which was initially led by Luke Walton. Mm. I think he had a 43 and 4 coaching record, but apparently he didn't get to keep those wins. It still went to Steve really? Kerr wow. um, as the coach. Um, the San Antonio Spurs, you mentioned, we were just talking about it before the podcast. The Spurs had an incredible run in that season. And the Eastern Conference, the Cavs ended up finishing number one overall, racking up 57 wins. And, you know, it was looking like the season was going to end up being the two best teams were likely the Cavs and the Warriors, but there were going to be a lot of roller coasters in between. Over on the left side. Bill, Bill Livingston, plane dealer. LeBron, when the Warriors were up here, there was some talk about what trash talk crosses the line and what doesn't. Clay Thompson said, I guess he just got his feelings hurt. You talked about being a prideful guy and that some comments during my made. Would you discuss that whole issue of what's fair and not fair on the court? What happened? What Clay said? Yeah, and what crosses the line? No, I'm not. What did you say Clay said? Clay said, I guess he just got his feelings hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Top five moments of the season, Rajan. I wanted to go through it in reverse order, but there are a lot of moments in this season. So what I might do is I might go through some of them with you and then once I'm done, I want you to jump in because I'm sure that I've missed probably a million, but let's go. So I got a couple of honorable mentions first. The first honorable mention that didn't make the list is Steph Curry's bang three against OKC in the regular season. It was on 27 February in 2016. Look, that moment, it's just an ordinary regular season game. In today's NBA environment, we almost pay no attention to regular season wins and the regular season is almost it's almost immaterial nowadays with how often players rest and don't play but i think in 2015 and 2016 we were still in that environment where players were playing on a day in day out basis and that three was one of the most iconic threes i've seen in a regular season game no that that's correct and it was very symbolic you know it was against okc this was a potential western conference final matchup which it was um and the best is actually the the emotions <laughs> and the face of katie and russell westbrook if, if you watch that video again when steph hit that three steph ran down the court um you know jumped up pumped his fist the camera went straight to katie's face and he just thought you know it's time to join this team <laughs> so he thought of it back then 
<laughs> assumption, assumption. But I love it because Breen got so Mike Breen, the who was commentating at the time, um, got so excited. He did a double bang, didn't he? He did. Bang, that's right. Bang. That's right. Um, just for a regular season game. But I think if you rewatch it, the moment it's Golden State's really on this run throughout the season, where that was a game where they probably was the reason why they ended up going seventy three and nine. Um, you know, winning games like that, pulling it out. Steph Curry, the three, was almost from... Stephen A. Always, Smith always says, you know, he can pull up from 40 yep. or 30. That he, was 35. He makes it look uh, Stephless. <laughs> Stephless, I love it. So that's an honourable mention. Now, you hinted at it. I've got one more honourable mention, and it actually goes to the end of the season. It's a post-season moment. It's not an actual in-season, in-season moment. It's the post-match after Game 7 finals, and it's the car park where Draymond Green is on the phone to Kevin Durant telling him, we need you, we can't beat LeBron by ourselves. Now, there's no footage of this. We're only, it's only innuendo and rumour that Draymond picked up his phone after Game 7, Steph Curry's home and he says, KD, we need you. That's, that's a top five moment. That's an honourable mention yeah. for this season. Yeah, that's a, it was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. That changed the landscape of the NBA for the next two seasons um, before KD got injured. But these guys just won 73 games and you're calling arguably a top three player. Well, yeah. Not even arguably. He was a top three player to join your team. Um, but, you know, good on you, Draymond. It's almost a lesson in saying, hey, when something bad happens, take a moment to breathe before you think about what you want to do. You know, like, for example, I remember I always think if I get bad feedback at work, my first view is I'm going to quit work. Like, I'm just done. I, I can't handle criticism. And it's almost like you need to take a step back, you need to breathe and then think about it and sleep on it and the next day you'll feel differently. Draymond Green, through that phone call, basically ruined the NBA for the next three years. But, you know, if you look at it the other point of view, it, it um, you know, he's got how many rings now because of that. <laughs> so all the Warriors fans, Golden State, you know, they're very happy with it. He's the reason Clay Thompson can look at Devin Booker and say, I got four, I got four of these. Oh yeah, he was getting cooked last season. <laughs> So that was an honorable mention. Now, I want to go into my top five. So number five for me is game six, Clay. I'm talking about the game six, Western Conference um, Finals, OKC, Golden State. I think that game is one of the great games in the last sort of decade because of what was on the line. You had a team that had just broken the regular season record, 73 and nine. They were coming into the season as a champions. But they're coming up against an OKC team that probably believed they deserve to be in the final as well because they'd already made the finals. They hadn't won a championship yet. They needed one. And it was a clash of titans. And the best player that day was Clay Thompson. That's right. And, you know, Clay can do this on any given night. He had 11 three-pointers. Um, I, I think it was mostly in the second half. And he just, you know, he took the hearts of the OKC fans, the OKC team. Um, and this is after, you know, he beat Steph Curry in the three-point contest. So we know, oh, yeah, yeah, we know true. how good he is, um, <laughs> to be honest. And he, he stole that game from OKC in OKC, um, you know, that allowed them to go back to Golden State for game seven. And the rest is history. If there's a, I love doing these hypotheticals, but there's a, I've got a gun to your head. And then someone says, you've you got to choose one person to hit a three. Are you picking Clay or Steph? It's just one three, no warm-up. If I'm Max Kellerman, I'm, I'm, I'm oh, doing yeah. Andre Iguodala. <laughs> but, you know, any normal person. Um, Who are you I'm still picking? picking Steph. Yeah, I think so. 
Although they um, remember they they had some TNT event where they said Steph will will give you like a thousand hundred thousand dollars for every three you made, and he missed all of them. Yeah, that's right. But Clay's more of a um, catch he's, and he's shoot spotty. as well. He's, he, yeah, yeah. He's a he's streaky. A, that's right. That's right. Um, where Steph can come off the dribble. Yeah. Well, look at me talk, commenting on how streaky Clay Thompson is. I, I've never made a three in my life. Um, number four, Rajan, is the Draymond Green suspension. It happens at the end of game four. There's two minutes to go. I was watching the highlights of this on on YouTube recently. Just I just wanted to see because every single analyst and commentator says that it's the most egregious suspension they've seen. And I couldn't see it. Um, there's two minutes to go. The game's over and LeBron and Draymond are basically shoving each other and Draymond falls to the ground. LeBron does the Scotty Pippen step over him, the most dis- disrespectful um, step over. And Draymond just comes up and almost dacks him, but it's not really a punch and he gets suspended for it. And that turned the whole series in my view. Yep. Look, I don't remember the exact events, um, but if it was me, I'd suspend him for the whole season. You know, I suspended him for the whole playoff, so I think he's lucky he got away with one game. <laughs> Bill, I'm, I remember listening to Bill Simmons about it, and he says that changed the NBA landscape for her because it basically won LeBron a title. I don't know if I want to go that far because there was still a lot that needed to happen in that series for, um, for Cleveland to win. But it did change the whole dynamic of that series. Golden State were coming... They, they still won that game, so they lead 3-1 coming into game five. But losing their sort of their leader, their team leader um, on defense as well, I thought was crucial for them. And I don't know if there was a conspiracy there to ha- keep the series going, but it, it certainly felt like it to some. Yeah, um, but I do think uh, some of those um, comments are a bit ridiculous. We can say the same thing about, you know, Kyrie getting injured, you know, Good the point. playoffs before. And, you know, no one no one talks about that as much as Draymond's one-game suspension. They did lose <laughs> another three games after that. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, but of course I'm biased. Yeah, I mean, they they did, and it's a good point. But I, I went on some of the uh, Golden State Reddit forums recently just to see if they still talk about that, and they actually still talk about it. They've, they've won two or three championships since then, and they will still say that suspension ruined our season. But I think they talk about it because that was the season where they clearly wanted to win it the most. They just had the most successful regular season. They'd beaten the 96 Bulls. Mm-hmm in terms of a regular season result. And this would have been the cherry on the top. Absolutely. It would have been the greatest season, but it um, doesn't mean a thing if you didn't win the ring. Exactly. And we'll get to it. They didn't. So I had that as my number four. Number three, you won't get a better performance than this. I had LeBron James and Kyrie Irving going for 41 points each. That was at home, game six. Yeah, game six. Game six, 41 each. That You won't get a more clutch finals performance in a long time where two of your best players go for 40. It doesn't happen. That's right. And, you know, Kyrie, from my memory, I think he's 24 years old mm. and he has one of the most beautiful games in the NBA. When he's on the court, it's it's beautiful to watch. Um, and, you know, he can score 40 at any point, you know, probably um, more regularly than LeBron, to be honest. Um, he's a pure scorer. Um, and it was just a very dominant performance by the two people that were required that night. That game, I thought Kyrie's 41 was more crucial or more important. He scored it early on. LeBron had a little bit of stat padding at the end to to get his score up to 40. But anytime you have 
two of your best players in an NBA finals scoring 40 points. We talked we talked about game six, Clay, right? He had 41 points. We're talking about a game six where two of your best players had 40 points. That that never happens. Yeah, at and that point, it, it was needed. You weren't, you weren't going to get J.R. Smith scoring 40 points no. or Iman Shepard scoring 40. Um, so if, yeah. they, if they didn't pull that performance, uh, they would have been going home. Exactly. Um, I think after that performance, Skip Baylor said, regardless of whatever happens after that game, Kyrie Irving's the finals MVP. <laughs> um, you know, he was prone to a few overreactions nowadays. <laughs> Anything to sort of down LeBron. <laughs> but it was one of the best moments of that NBA season, and that's why I had it number three. Number two, Rajan, it was a non-finals result. We did sort of talk about it. Kobe Bryant's retirement, I had his 60-point final game as my number two moment it was very close to my number one but let's think about it that season clearly coming into it the lakers weren't expecting to win they had a the team wasn't strong kobe was on his last legs he'd already had an achilles injury from a few years back he wasn't going to find his legs um to sort of lead a team to the playoffs or to a title he was resigned to that fact but he had the energy to bring out one final performance, which it was a majestic performance. He basically said, I'm going to shoot the lights out. He went Kobe. What was his high? He scored 83, right, against Toronto? 81. 81. 81 against uh, Toronto. He basically went Kobe 81. Um, yeah, it was, you know, and the game right before the game, Shaq said on TNT, give me 50. And <laughs> Kobe just laughed and said, you know, this is ridiculous. Um, but... Yeah, it, it, it's. I think it's one of my most watched YouTube videos. To be <laughs> honest, it was a ridiculous last five minutes. Um, you know, they were they were down by about eight points. I yeah. remember, you know, um, and single handedly they won the game. He scores sixty. You know, every celebrity is in the crowd watching that. At the same time, I remember it was um, the Golden State Warriors were playing to get this seventy three and nine record. But we all know everyone was watching that Lakers game. I still remember Snoop Dogg just dancing yeah. in the crowd. Um, it so was beautiful. There was everyone there. There was Jay-Z, Beyonce, mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg, um, Jack, Jack Nicholson. No, he's not missing a game. He's, he's not missing that. And that famous Kobe face, he wasn't smiling. He was there. He wanted to win that game. He wanted to end, end being a winner. And he did. Finished on 60 points. He was hugged by all his teammates, most of them probably don't play NBA, uh, aren't on an NBA team anymore. But it was a fitting finish and finale to one of the greatest NBA players of all time. You know, whatever you, wherever you have him in, in your GOAT list, mm-hmm. he was a player who, I think that's why um, Los Angeles still loves him. And well, I know he passed away, but they're probably he's probably the Lakers' favourite number one player in terms of um, popularity. Yeah, I, I think so. There has, you know... There's literally statues all around Staples of Kobe. It's just yeah. what he stood for, his mentality, his drive, his competitiveness. Um, he, he, he had everything. Yeah, so I had that as my number two moment. My number one moment, we might as well get to it. It's Iguodala blocked by James. <laughs> There's no doubt. And the Kyrie Irving three. So it's basically game seven. Come up on a minute remaining. And they're putting Curry in the pick and roll, trying to get him on Irving. Irving and Curry, one-on-one, Irving puts it up, it's good, Kyrie Irving from downtown! Fourth quarter for Cleveland, including this one. They came out of the timeout, set to get Steph Curry on Kyrie Irving. They get exactly what they want, everybody out of my way, it's time to dance. Gets them one-on-one, lulls them to sleep, forces a late contest. That's a big-time offensive play by Kyrie Irving, but it's a play he's made his entire life. The ability to score and flat-out get it done 
on the offensive end. Irving now with 26 and back in Cleveland. These fans realize they're 10.6 seconds away now from a championship. Game seven, it I wouldn't call it a spectacle. The, it wasn't a it wasn't a fantastic game seven. No, but then again, I, any game seven is great to watch. You, the nerves are higher. Um, it almost feels like you you would have played in like certain basketball finals and whatnot. Do you always find when it comes to a final that the game tightens up? Uh, absolutely. You know your shot tightens up. You, your legs um, your legs aren't there for your shot. Yeah. I mean, it all tightens up. And these guys, you know, these guys are the best in the world, and even they felt it. The magnitude of the moment. And if you look at the last three minutes. Um, you know, I think they scored about a total of eight points together. Yeah. It was a messy game at the end, um, and Iguodala missed two of those. Fine, he was the Finals MVP from the previous year. <laughs> That's right. He was the Finals MVP for um, defending LeBron, <laughs> being LeBron, and LeBron only had 40... 40 points, 12 assists, and 10 <laughs> rebounds for that season. <laughs> um, I know. Look, that Game 7, um, there, Steph Curry uh, was nowhere to be seen, Um some would say that he was like, you know, Kevin Love and others were defending him quite well, but it really tightened up. And when Iguodala had that chance to take Golden State um, into the lead, you don't see LeBron in the screen. And then he somehow just sprints back, blocks Iguodala. It's, it's one of those moments. It was his iconic finals moment, I think. Yeah. And it's ironic that it was a defensive play, but it was... Uh, it was. I think that's what most people, if they say pick one LeBron moment, that's probably got to be up there. Yeah, absolutely. When when his documentary comes out, it's going to start and end with that moment. Yeah, it has to. Um, and that Kyrie Irving three. I mean, there's you won't get a more clutch shot to be honest. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it was planned for him. They, there was a switch. I think it was Clay was defending Kyrie. Mm. There was a, um, a screen so they could switch onto Steph. So Kyrie wanted Steph. Um, but, you know, to take a step back three in that moment, that's that's huge. Yeah. So, look, I had that as my number one moment. I think the that NBA Finals match was one of the most viewed NBA Finals since the 90s. Um, and since the since the MJ era, have I missed anything from my top five? I think you have. Yeah, I, I thought um, I would. But um, for me, I think um, of the season, it has to be in the top five. Is this was one of the greatest dunk contests ever? Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon. Ooh. Uh, that was just absolutely phenomenal to watch. That's the that's the this one. This was the first time they. This was the first time. Yeah. That's right. That, yeah. There's that's a. Um, that's the first time there should have been a joint champion at that point. It was ridiculous mm. to watch, you know. He had um, Aaron Gordon doing a, what was it, a 360 cup windmill with that mascot. He had Zach Levine doing under the legs from the free throw line. For such a big guy, Aaron Gordon was remote, like mm. uh, surprisingly agile yep. and had one of the best vertical leaps. Yep, I don't think anyone um, saw that coming from Aaron Gordon. And there no. was just, he, he's got probably two of the top five dunks ever. Yeah, 100%. Um, that dunk contest, it was, yeah, I agree with you. It was slightly unfair that they had to basically keep going until they could find mm -hmm. a winner. Sometimes I think the NBA, you should just, you should just be dynamic, be agile. You see that you've got one of these best contests where two players that you can't separate them. Just give them a joint winner. No, I agree with that. Now, Aaron Gordon still hasn't won a dunk contest. I, How ridiculous is that? Well, yeah, because D-Wade kept giving him a nine. I love D-Wade, but that's that's the one error on him. That meme is going to be there forever. Absolutely. So, no, that's a good one. I actually didn't pick that. Um, I agree with you. That is probably one of the moments of the season. Anything else? 
I don't think moment. I think you'd have to give um, Steph, you know, the regular season. It was one of the greatest regular seasons um, ever. Mm. You know, he was the unanimous MVP. I don't know if I completely agree with that. Yeah, Because um, he's the only unanimous MVP in NBA history. Um, in yeah. 2013, LeBron um, had uh, one vote taken away from him. Do you know who? To Carmelo Anthony. Oh. Ridiculous. <laughs> Um, love Mellow, but that's ridiculous. And yeah. also in 2000, Shaq had one vote taken away from him, um, and that was to AI. Wow. So those two um, should have also been unanimous MVPs. But, you know, Steph hit over 400 three-pointers that season. So he had a phenomenal regular season, um, but just couldn't convert. He couldn't. Um, you know how, how many, do you know how many MVPs Shaq has? I think it's one. He's got one. For one of the most dominant players in the world, he'll keep, but he'll, if you ask him, he'll tell you he lost two to Steve Nash. It was stolen. Stolen. <laughs> it was stolen when he won his three. Um, so I think we, I'm assuming you, th- th- there you're, I, I captured most of the other top fives. Yeah. I mean, look, it's very subjective. If you're a fan of other teams, there are probably other moments where, you know, other, the other teams that made the finals, um, Western Conference finals, Eastern Conference finals, there are moments there. But I think from an NBA perspective, most of the highlights of that season came in the finals and also from Steph Curry. Anytime Steph Curry played a game, he was breaking a new record and you know, that golden state team was something else. So they were our top five, but I'm very happy if you, if any of you come out and say, you know, you missed one or two, look, it's an NBA season. We'll be here for three hours. If we were talking about our favorite moments. Um, okay. Would you believe that? I'm going to give you a couple that I thought were quite interesting. Um, a little weird, but you know, quite interesting. The first one, I mentioned it to you, Luke Walton. He was the first time an interim head coach, and his record was actually 39 and four. And it's the first time an interim head coach has achieved that sort of record and losing, only losing four games. But if you look at his um, overall stats record as a Golden State coach, it's zero, zero because he didn't get those games. Yeah, that, which is, uh, where, where did he go to after? Was it Sacramento? I think I it was Sacramento. Yeah. Um, but I think he went, he, there were a couple of other roles as well mm-hmm. in between there. But I don't know if he's, um, is he still coaching or is he an assistant coach nowadays? I don't, well, I don't think he's a head coach, but yeah, must be, must be he, somewhere. He's, he's doing something in the NBA for sure. Um, you mentioned it, Curry's 2016 campaign. It had 886 long range attempts. And at that time, the next highest was Steve Nash in 2007 with 381 <laughs> and that just shows how much the game had changed by then yeah. you know, the golden state warriors really changed how the nba you know teams are formed now it's all about analytics it used to be about throwing the ball inside to the big then back outside now it's all about um the three-pointer analytics um three and d guys and they really changed the face of the nba do you like this is probably a debate topic but given you've mentioned it do you like the way the NBA is played nowadays with um, the reliance on the three? I'm not completely sure, to be honest. I, I wouldn't say I love it. Yeah. Um, there's just, uh, it's all about offense now. It's all about, this, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, 10 people can be averaging 30. That's not what it used to be. Like, it's not the same as when, you know, people were averaging 30 in the 2000s. Um, yeah. You can't play defense properly. So I, I you know, agree with the old head sometimes. Um, but look, it's very entertaining to watch, definitely. It is. I think younger kids, I think Steph Curry, that season inspired a lot of six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds to go out and play, but go out and shoot basketballs. Um, and if anything, he probably inspired or motivated a lot of uh, guy, um, guys or girls who were less than six foot to 
pick up a basketball and think they had a chance. Yeah. I, I know Steph Curry is, he's, he's I think he's six foot or six foot one, but he gave hope to a lot of people who said, you know, even if you're not tall, if you can shoot a three, you could make an NBA team. Yep, he's, he's much more relatable than, you know, LeBron James, Michael Jordan. Yeah. You don't have to be the six foot six, six foot nine muscular. Exactly. You, you can be just, you know, a, a little guy running around shooting threes. But I was, I was reading, someone was talking about um, selling basketball shoes and they were saying that the, the people, the players that sell the most basketball shoes are the ones that aren't the tallest. So like Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, um, or, and MJ, obviously, you have to, if you were six foot six or less, you had a better chance of creating a shoe that would sell through as opposed to someone, if you're like Giannis, LeBron, um, KD. And I think the reason is, is that if you're a young guy, if you see a seven foot guy wearing shoes, you're almost going to think their shoes are not for me because they just look distorted. Whereas someone like Kyrie Irving, who might not be the best NBA player, he has shoes that sell, sell out all the time. And so it's, um, I don't know, but what do you, which shoes did you end up? Yeah, that's are very you, funny. Are you Jordan? I, I, no, Jordan? I, I, I bought um, their Kobe Kyrie's. Yeah. So pretty much what you're saying, I didn't even realize that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but that makes that makes sense. Did I teach you something about basketball? <laughs> That's one one thing. <laughs> it's not even basketball. <laughs> but, um, no, no, it was it was just interesting that I, I read that. So and I kind of agree. Like, yeah, that's why Nike and all of these big companies, when they find these centers, these centers don't want to be as tall as they're listed. They'll always say, I think KD says I'm six foot ten. Or we all know he's seven foot, but it's purely from a marketing perspective mm. that they don't want to be um, that height. But I want to just give a, and you've already given it, but a shout out to um, Steph Curry. As I think he was the he had the Don Apex performance of this year. Now, haters and critics will say he didn't win the trophy, he didn't win the championship, and that's fair. And he also probably underperformed in that final series for the level that he was playing at. But for someone who just won the MVP the previous season, coming into that season to win seventy three games and being sort of the pivotal person to lead that team, he probably he, he deserves credit. I would give him the Don performance despite not winning that NBA trophy. Yeah, he, he had the one of the greatest regular seasons ever. So yeah. you'd have to give him, um, you know, that trophy. But of course, um, you know, as we know, the regular season in these days in the NBA doesn't count for much. So it's all about the playoffs. It means duck all. <laughs> um, they, Curry shot over 50%, over 50% from the floor. And the list of players who had seasons averaging more than 30 points, six assists and five rebounds, and to have made over 50% of their shots from the floor, three of those seasons belonged to the GOAT or the basketball GOAT, <laughs> um, MJ. So he had three of those seasons and Curry had one. But oh, wow. Curry, Curry has the elusive 50-40-90. So 50 from the floor. 40 from three and 90 percent from yeah. free yeah. throw i think kd's he must have one or two of them as well yeah surely yeah. he does because kd and steph curry they don't miss from the free yeah. throw line so that was my don performance i had one uh, i i call it woke performance but let's say most disappointing and it's kind of unfair because i don't want to be hate sitting here drinking my red wine i don't want to be hating on basketball players who can dunk and shoot and do everything that i can't do but it's worth mentioning he didn't play for Golden State. Uh, I'm not sure if he played another season for them, but Harrison Barnes in that NBA Finals, mm. Golden State Reddit forums still talk about how he disappeared in that series. And I think that series was just famous for Harrison Barnes standing in the corner, Clay, Steph, Draymond passing into him anytime they were double teamed. 
and him basically he basically just clunked every shot and was one of the reasons why they lost that series yep yep and the year before that harrison barnes sean livingston those were the key players that really yes you know, pushed them across the line they had great performances um but absolutely no he, he didn't perform in the 2015 2016 finals yeah he didn't and you know he's He's copped it ever since, and that's just something he'll have to live with until he can win another, until he can win something else. And but I don't know if that's going to happen. I want to do this with you, Rajan. I call it the Oscars, and I did it on on the last episode. But it's a segment where I want to think about whether could you make this season or this event into a movie, and if so, who's who's starring okay. in in this um in, in, in this movie. Now, the first question is, could you make it into a movie? Do you think you could make the season into a movie? Oh, absolutely. This would be this would be a great movie. Maybe I'm the only one watching this, <laughs> but this would be an excellent movie from start to finish. I, I kind of agree because there's there's a lot of storylines. Um, and I, I think... But I think the difficulty with making NBA movies is you need actors who can actually shoot a ball. And there aren't... It's it's hard to fake um, being being able to play basketball. I, I saw that movie. Um, it's with Denzel and uh, Ray Allen. He got game, mm. and the reason that movie's good is because they chose a basketball player to actually play a basketball player in Ray Allen. And Denzel could play, and he had that sort of he had that dad game where you know he would just post up on everyone. But I think there's enough storylines here that it would make it a it, it would make it a, a, a great movie and. I had a few actors in mind who I thought might be able to play. So I, I think Denzel just has to be in it. He has to be some role, but it has to be a younger Denzel. It can't be the Denzel that like the Denzel we see nowadays. I think Adam Sandler for mm-hmm. Clay or Steph. Yep. <laughs> um, probably Clay. Uh, I think there's a few similarities there. I don't know who would play Steph though. Yeah, I, I have no idea who would play Steph. The I, only person I'm thinking of is you just got to throw Anthony Edwards in there. He's yeah. got to play someone after he's a, a recent movie he, performance. He, he's a future actor, yep. Anthony yep. Edwards. He's he's definitely one. And look, LeBron and Kyrie, maybe maybe Denzel is in that sort of... I don't know if Denzel can play LeBron, but I had, you know, Uncle Drew. Just change yep. Kyrie, mm. get Uncle Drew in. Same guy, but... They're sort of the actors that I was thinking about to make that movie. Look, I don't know if it'd be a hit. I don't know if it's getting 9.5 on IMDb. I think just throw in Michael B. Jordan and you'll be a hit. Michael B. Jordan? Yep. Michael B. Jordan for LeBron. Yeah, he just needs to wear stilettos and, yep, he can, he can be LeBron. I love it. Uh, look, I, I actually have, I think there's a couple of clips of Michael B. Jordan playing basketball. He had a shot on him. Mm. And maybe Will Smith. Because oh, yeah. I remember those Fresh Prince of Bel-Air days. Um, Will Smith in those fake college gyms and he's shooting into that 10-foot hoop. Yep. And he made all of his shots. He might slap someone though, so we're not sure. <laughs> no, I think that's good. If you get Will Smith, you're getting some A-list actors into this movie that's that's getting 4.5 IMDb and it's probably going for an hour and a half, but could be the new Space Jam. Yep, that's, oh, yep, that's right. <laughs> what I wanted to do with you, Arjun, is I wanted to um, finish off with a couple of things. The first one was some embrace debate topics and... This is sort of molded in from my some of my favorite shows that I used to watch and I still watch. Um, a lot of it now on YouTube is this sort of debate television, undisputed, first take, a lot of that. So the first question I wanted to raise with you um, is this concept of sports debate and sports debate television. And it's really prominent in the NBA. And I wanted to get a sense from you whether you think that it's actually been good for the sport, it's healthy for the sport, or whether it's something that we can do without. Um, what are your immediate thoughts? 
Look, I, I think over the last five years, it's really grown. I, I started um, probably the early, maybe 2010. I really got into it. First take, Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless. Um, I, every morning um, while I was eating breakfast, I'd put YouTube on, see what's happening. Um, and I think it drew a lot of viewers to the NBA. It really helped. Um, it globalized it as well. Um, and then you had... Um, you had a lot of clickbait as well. You had skip clickbait date. Yeah. <laughs> Bayless, um, just sort of hating on people just so people yeah. could watch it. Then you had people coming on like Richard Sherman and Mark Cuban absolutely destroying him because yeah. he was making ridiculous comments. So there's a fine line between it. And now you see a lot of NBA players um, who want to have their voice heard because, you know, you've got these analysts um, who've never played an NBA game in their life making ridiculous statements. Mm. So there has to be a balance here. And that's when you get someone like, I think JJ Redick, his podcast is excellent, yeah. very knowledgeable. Um, and you, you want to listen to the things he says. Um, and you don't just want to listen to clickbait all the time. No, exactly. And they could probably get a lot of credit. People like those sports debate um, TV hosts, Stephen A, Skip, probably get credit for influencing a lot of these NBA players now to stop giving interviews to those sort mm. of analysts and just create their own podcast, create yeah. their own YouTube channels where they can just give the news unfiltered from their perspective. We've seen a change in how NBA media is covered nowadays. Players don't give interviews anymore. They'll just basically give their own interview on their own channel. Yeah. And you, you when you get the players interviewing players, you actually get good, good, quite good insights. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, PG-13, Paul George, he's got his podcast as well. Excellent. And it's doing very well. It's doing very well. Almost got... as many views as me. <laughs> <laughs> Just need to multiply it by a million. That's right. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> we will get there. Um, have you, I don't know, there's this other, there's a great show. Um, it's probably not PG. It's Gil's Arena, Gilbert Arena. Yep, he's, yep, yep. he's got a great show going on. And I think, look, Debate TV is needed. It's it's an important part of the sort of sports, particularly in the US, but that sports market because people need something just to... People, people who watch sport need something to complain about on a daily basis. And these sports talk hosts give them that to complain about. They'll come on the next day and they're prepared to just go after athletes. And whether, whether it's right or wrong, it stirs interest. It creates interest in the sport. Ultimately, by creating interest in the sport it helps those athletes get paid more and it helps the sport even in a sort of, in a weird way, it is helping the sport. It's definitely helping the sport. You know, social media, there's pluses and minuses. And like you said, it, it helps more viewers um, come aboard, more people following the NBA. It goes to TV ratings, it goes to the salary of the players. Yeah. So they are benefiting from all of this as well. And look, on the other side of the foot, I suppose the point is just don't get personal. And sometimes some of these debate shows, they straight toe the line in terms of what they say whether it's actually you know out of bounds or inbounds but that's just what happens when you have live tv and mm. live debate tv but i think it is good for the sport but there's got to be measures in place and i think the nba market at the moment is doing a good job of delineating between the two you have your players doing their own shows and then you have um, sports debate shows so they can coexist and i think it's working yep absolutely we saw today we're recording it's the 28th of september and damian lillard was in the news for getting traded to the milwaukee bucks and you could say that when the nba season when denver nuggets um, when they won their championship this year the next day, half the news was about Denver and half the news was about where is Damian Lillard going. And it leads me to this question, which is why 
are we as NBA fans sometimes more interested in what happens off the court than we are with what happens on the court? Why is that the case in the NBA? I think because the NBA has now become such a global brand, it's drawn so many people to the sport who actually don't love the sport, but Mm. they actually love um, the show. So they've made NBA more into, you know, a Netflix show, to be honest. Um, You know, there's the sport, but then there's all these storylines in the background which flow onto the off-season. And, you know, I talk to a lot of people who I'm surprised are following the NBA, but all they're talking about is the off-season and the talk shows and who's getting traded and what's happening, the storylines. So I think you've got this large population that's following the NBA that actually truly doesn't won't watch the 48 minutes of the no. of the game um, they'll watch the highlights but they'll watch 48 minutes of the talk show yeah and but i don't know if that's healthy for the sport that there's more so there's more commentary about hey this guy's going to go to this team what's going to happen and then when that transaction or trade happens it's okay cool what's the next thing that's going to happen rather than rather than actually watching what's the impact that he's going to have on his team during the regular season. And I think that's a problem that the NBA has to um, work through because I don't know how much of the other US sports you watch, but NBA is in a competitive market with Major League Baseball and the NFL in the US where the NFL is probably king in the US. And it's something, it's interesting that from a global perspective, the NBA is probably the most popular sport in the world uh, aside from um, soccer football. But in the States itself, it's probably not the most popular sport, but it gets spoken about more than any other sport in the US for reasons that sometimes don't make sense to me, but maybe sometimes we are more interested in the transaction than actually the Yeah, you know, the I, I completely itself. agree. It's the storylines, it's the transaction, and it's exactly what you said. I woke up this morning, I got about five messages yeah. <laughs> telling me that Damian Lillard has been traded. Um, and I would love to see how many people actually watch the Milwaukee games <laughs> to watch Damian <laughs> I don't Damian think anyone's Lillard. going to be watching. No, I don't, I, I don't think so. Um, so that's a, that's a great point. And how they're going to solve that, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't um, know if there's a fixable solution. It's probably, maybe it all goes to you, the stars need to play more regular season games. The regular season needs to mean more because at the moment, the regular season, you play 81 games you generally know who's going to make the playoffs, who's going to make the finals. It almost detracts from the quality of the season itself. Yep. And the NBA has started to, you know, do a few things to improve that. The play-in, I think it's been excellent, to be honest. Um, you know, those play-in games have been great to watch. Um, I think there's a new rule by the NBA where they can't uh, rest two superstars now or they'll get fined. I love that. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people will pay the fines, but they're trying. they got enough money. Yeah, <laughs> they're doing a mid-season tournament. I'm not sure yeah. how I feel about that. That's a bit weird to me, yeah. but let's see how that goes this season as well. So they're trying, they're trying to um, do a few new things. Yeah, I mean, when, they, when, you, when you said that point about the two stars, I think it's very easy to fake injuries. <laughs> That's right. So I think the betting odds is the LA Clippers are going to get fined first. <laughs> Kawhi's going to have, uh, he's going to have a number of injuries, yeah. um, um, PG as well. I want to finish with this, Rajan. I think I know the answer, but it's worth uncovering or unpacking. Is this was this a memorable season that you'd remember it in forty years time? I think this is the most memorable season that I've witnessed in the NBA. The first thing I'll do wow. is um, bring up your podcast and tell them to sit down, <laughs> put some headphones on, and listen for fifty-seven minutes. <laughs> then I'll put um, the video, the the mini movie of Game Seven for them yes. to watch, um, and then I'll put the video of Kobe um, on his farewell game. 
And if they're not right. interested by those two, well, they're, then they're not playing basketball. We're done with that. Yeah, they're not playing. I, I, I agree with you. I think it was probably a season that had everything and anything and everything. Um, even made more prominent by Kobe's passing, the fact that it was his final mm-hmm. season and he finished off on such a memorable note. And then also just the storylines with the 3-1. The 3-1 didn't just happen in the finals. It happened in the Western Conference mm. finals as well. And it was probably the last season before we really had a super team in, you know, the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant. Had KD not moved, then probably the next season would have been even as great. Just as good. That's right. It would have been, you know, I think they were trying to emulate um, the Lakers and the Celtics, you yeah. know. Year after year, we're going to get the same matchup. And it would have been great to watch, except... Yeah, we all know what happened. We had Kevin Kevin Durant join the Warriors and the rest was history. Mm-hmm. Rajan, I think we did justice to that season. You're definitely coming on for future episodes because we've covered LeBron, but it's only fair if we also cover MJ down the track. Mm-hmm. So we've got to cover a couple of NBA seasons where the basketball goat Michael Jordan played. But hope you enjoyed it, Rajan. I had a lot of fun doing this with you and we'll definitely be doing more in the future. Yep, no, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. 